All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Big Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Interesting night at the uh, at the ballpark last night. We'll get into all that. Big, big schedule within the league and um, some trends within the Southeastern Conference that I think are worth discussing. Uh, but I uh, want to thank our fine sponsors. We... Um, been very privileged over the years to have uh, you know some folks been with me from uh, from pretty much near the very beginning and, and still with us. Campus Bookmart, uh, a Starkvillian institution. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, and the lovely and talented Susie. Without question, the highlight of the trip. Let Miss Susie wait on you; she'll take care of you. Uh, love those folks there, at Campus Bookmart. Every time I go in, I have to visit. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's some places you go when you just kind of facilitate your transaction, get on your car, and get on your day. But every time I go to Campus Bookmart, I feel like I got an obligation uh, to visit. Not not because they're sponsors of the show, but because they're so down home and folksy. You know what I'm saying? It's like when I go in there, I understand I'm not just a customer of those folks. I'm I'm a friend. Uh, so you need to go make friends with uh, with those folks there too. And uh, you can outfit yourself, your RV, your home, your pet, your office. With the latest in maroon and white fashions and memorabilia, we encourage you to go by and check it out in person. But if you can't, we encourage you to go to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Get free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. 
So let's go ahead and jump into uh, last night's 5-1 victory over Texas Southern. Uh, an interesting night, to say the least. You know, Mississippi State uh, jumps out, gets a one nothing lead. But let's back up a second there. Because it looked like in the in the top of the first, we were going to have that typical midweek malaise, uh, mediocre start, and kind of spot somebody a lead. So you come out, and, and Brandon Smith, who I think is going to be an absolute star at Mississippi State. I absolutely love his game, love his approach. Uh, very mature for a younger guy. But he goes out there, and uh, the very first hitters that he faces from the Texas Southern Tigers, he allows back-to-back hits. And what is amazing about that is that we did not give up another hit the rest of the game. Think about that. We, we no-hit him the rest of the game. So we end up walking a guy, and then the bases are loaded, nobody down. And rather than fold, rather than get frazzled, Brandon bared down. Foxhall goes out there and calms him down. Next thing you know, what do we do? We get a tapper back to the mound. You hear everybody hollering four. We go down to uh, to Luke Hancock, and we then we go to third, back to first, pardon me. So we got the, the one, two, three, double play. Next thing you know, there's two outs in the inning and two men on, and Smith gets a, a K to end it. And really, that was... That was the really only trepidation we had in the ball game. That's the only time it seemed like they were able to mount anything offensively, and some of that was self-inflicted, but give them credit for coming out with a good approach early. You got a couple of hits right out of the gate. And then things really kind of settled in for both teams. You know, Mangum uh, you know, comes out with a leadoff single, number 345, seven away from tying Eddie Furness. And then Mangum takes second and works his way around to third, and then he scores on a double by Elijah Magnum and make it one nothing. Then you kind of think, okay, here we go. All right, it's uh, it's one nothing. We'll go ahead and put these guys away like we have all the other swag teams. And then a funny thing happened. In the top of the third, without the benefit of a hit, Texas Southern ties the game. Um. You know, we, we get a walk there, and the next thing you know, we get get a couple guys on, and uh, they run a double steal, and then we throw the ball in the right field. Left field, pardon me. To throw it in the right would be a real endeavor. We throw the ball in the left, and uh, a run scores, and the game is tied. And it did, it felt like, okay, we're all right. We're all right. You know, we, we've got uh, we got a freshman catcher out here. You know, we're kind of moving some pieces around. It's the midweek. Things will be okay. We've got a freshman pitcher freshman catcher and of course you make change bringing Keegan James there but uh, my point being is that you're trying to get some guys some work but you just kind of felt like yeah it's it's one one ball game in a third we're gonna be cool well here's the deal it stayed tied until the eighth inning and uh gotta give a lot of credit to uh Alex Ogwin from Texas Southern uh he pitched Mississippi State beautifully and he pretty much pitched it backwards through a lot of first pitch breaking balls for strikes, which kind of impressed me, even though his velo was, was awful. I don't know that he topped out over 80 miles an hour the whole ball game. And uh, kind of like Justin Foskey said in the post game, you know, he had a fastball that was 80 and change up it was 75. You know, so there wasn't a lot of variance in the velo there, but, but he kept State off balance. And it's one of those things that we have consistently seen when State has played uh, swag schools this year is because of the fact that they don't have a lot of velo in the midweek they get stayed out on their front foot. We pop up a lot. We ground out a lot. It's very rare that we're barreling balls up. But finally, in the eighth inning, we finally get to this kid. Finally. 
Mississippi State's number two team in the country, and it's 1-1 in the eighth inning. And I'm sure the folks in Texas Southern Dugout are thinking, okay, if we can, we just need something to happen. And they've got, you know, they got a, you know, a couple kids in their lineup that, you know, they could run into one. But that's not what happens. Then then uh, Ogwen hits Tanner Allen to open up the eighth, and so now you're thinking, okay, well let's uh, we'll, we'll bunt the guy across, and and uh, you know then life will be great. And um, McNamee singles. And the thing about Elijah McNamee and that at bat that I thought was very, very mature for him, much, much water base, stays back on the ball, lines it back up the middle. Didn't get on his front foot, just kind of stayed grounded there. Big hit, base hit. And he actually got a little bit jammed on play, uh, but had just enough uh, to push that ball on through. And, and so the next thing you know, you got a couple of guys on, and uh, and some big things are happening. Anybody can think, okay, if we can get a bunt down here, then uh, we, we can push a run across and and, uh, and take a lead and, and close this thing out here in the top of the ninth. While pitch advances both runners to second and third. So now you've got two runners in scoring position with nobody out, and then you've got five, six, seven coming up, and you just feel like, you know what, this is it. This is a chance for us to put this game away. And then they bring the infield in. And had they kept the infield back, I don't know they get the runner at first, but I think at home. But I think they probably avoid the beginning. But Foscue gets just enough of a changeup to kind of bounce it over to draw an infield, and uh, Allen scores. McNamee goes to third. They hold him there, and then Rowdy Jordan put down an unbelievably great squeeze bunt, and I really thought he beat it. I thought it was worth a review. They, they didn't review it, uh, but great play by Rowdy, gets McNamee home. Now it's 3-1. to one. And it seems like things are rolling along pretty good. You get, you get you know, a couple of bats later in the inning, and then Skelton, who uh, had come in for Luke Hancock as a, uh, as a defensive replacement because they pinch ran uh, for Hancock uh, earlier in that inning. So Skelton has, had come in and gets one at bat, and what does he do? He hits an absolute towering fly ball to left. Off the bat, I thought it was an out. I didn't think it was out, but it just kept carrying and carrying and carrying, and uh, it leaks out of the park, and, and at that point, it's 5-1. The game is over. It's just a matter of who's going to pitch the ninth, and then you bring in Colby White. We're beginning to kind of see a shift in the Mississippi State bullpen, and uh, Chris Lamontis kind of talked about that on on, on uh, Saturday, I guess, or Sunday evening where he made mention that, hey, yeah, we, we kind of wanted to spread Cole out a little bit this weekend and let Colby pitch the ninth. I just get the sense that if JT Ginn is going to uh, be the Saturday-Sunday guy, one of those two, that maybe they're beginning to kind of pair him up with Cole Gordon as a long reliever. And you know, Cole was, uh, was money in that capacity last year down the stretch. And maybe you put him there and you put Colby White, who the uh, the Foxworth Mississippi flamethrower, he hit 97 on the gun last night. This kid comes out throwing gas. But we're beginning to see a shift there. Not a lot of offense last night. Mississippi State holds Texas Southern to two hits. State pounds out ten hits, but they kind of bunch them together late. I mean, there wasn't a lot of uh, offensive uh, continuity and a lot of that was kind of self-inflicted. And some of the guys made mention they, they barreled some balls up early in the ball game. That, that really wasn't my take on it. I, I, I didn't see that at all. I thought there were a lot of balls that uh, were kind of routine fly balls to left. And, 
and routine ground balls on the infield. I, I didn't see a whole lot of balls just absolutely blistered the first two or three times through the order. I mentioned Jake Mangum got the first inning hit. That's his only hit of the ball game. Uh, 345, Jordan Westberg with one hit last night. Tanner Allen with, with one for three. Elijah McAmey with two hits. And, and Mack always seems to be in the middle of things. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So either he's getting the walk or, or he's getting the sack fly. It seems like every time, and, and you expect that from a guy to hit in a hardy order, but it always seems like when State needs a late rally that, that McNamee is either on the run-scoring end or the run-producing end of that rally. He's, it seems like he's always involved. Uh, Justin Foskey, of course, had the uh, the one hit and drove in the RBI in the eighth inning. Rowdy, of course, with the one hit and then, of course, the uh, the squeeze bun RBI. Josh Hatcher, DH, last night, he had a hit. Luke Hancock was one for two. He, he, and Luke really did barrel up the ball. I thought there was a couple of balls that Luke hit pretty well. Um, Dustin Skelton, of course, and it's just one of those weird things that happens. You know, you see some balls out there sometimes that uh, are off the bat strong and don't make it out. And then one like this, he just simply got under it and it just kind of drifted and drifted and drifted. Uh, Marshall Gilbert, 0 for 3 last night. We spoke with Lamonis about the third base deal, and uh, he says they're kind of going to mix and match there, kind of based on um, matchups. So you, you, you're still going to see Gunnar Halter at times. And so that is something that uh, is still rather fluid, but I think Justin Foscue stayed at second. I think that'll be a permanent move. We asked Josh, Justin last night in the post game, and it's always you can go right now to jeanspage.com and you can watch all those videos for free. You you can go log on to your computer right now, and you can hear watch Justin Foscue talk about the offense and about making the move to second base, and you can see Chris Lamonis kind of recap things and preview Arkansas, and you can hear Colby White talking about uh, kind of assuming that role as the closer. And he's kind of up for whatever. He said, like he says, he just loves pitching. But uh, it's one of those deals, talking with, with Justin Foskey last night, that uh, he, he kind of gets it. You know, he, he he's ready to play wherever. And, uh, and generally what happens with infielders outside of first baseman is you go out and you recruit a bunch of shortstops because those guys are usually the most skilled positions on the infield. Those are guys that they are generally the best infielder on their team. They had the biggest arm, the most range, so it makes sense to go get those guys. As many of those guys as you can get, put them on your team because those guys can play second. They can play third. So you know you don't have a lot of backup shortstops. They always find a way on the field somewhere else. And and, um, and so it's kind of what we saw you know, with Foscue and, and Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Halter. I mean, so that you move guys around. And so – but things have just simply settled in with Foskey at second and um, not making a lot of errors. I mean, you had one error last night, but it was a throwing error from the catcher. But it's, but it's been a while since we've had that blow-up inning where we just couldn't field the baseball. And, uh, and I think some of that, maybe it's just Foskey has provided a bit of a, a calming effect on the infield. And he kind of made mention last night that he and Westy have been throwing partners since the day they got there, and they've been friends. And so there, there is – a relationship there uh, that probably is somewhat advantageous, but but nevertheless, the bottom line is the uh, the defensive concerns for now have been alleviated. We just really don't seem to have, have that issue. Now we you know, a couple weeks ago we were all ready to pull our hair out, but again last night very smooth. Thought Jordan Westberg played exceptionally well. I think Tanner Allen's playing well over there. Tanner Allen has saved Mississippi State a few errors over at first base, and he doesn't have that great catch radius. You know, you kind of get spoiled in the West Ray years. You know what I'm saying? Because anything over there, uh, you know, within eight feet of the bag, it seemed like he could get, you know. And, but uh, Tanner Allen, not even a six-footer, and so his catch radius is a little more limited than, than a guy like West Ray. But be that as it may, he has kind of learned to position himself 
and uh, really scoops the ball well. And uh, that's one of the things that I've been really impressed with uh, with Tanner is when we don't make a perfect throw, it doesn't have to be a bad inning because he can find a way to dig it out. Now, Mississippi State uh, will get ready to go take on uh, Arkansas this weekend, and that's going to be a big part of things. But before we get to that, let me remind you of this. Bulldog Burger Company wants your business. They're willing to work for your business. Uh, they deserve your business. A Stark Villigan institution in their own right, part of a fine family of restaurants that have served the great Starville community for many, many years. And so we encourage you to go by. Find your own favorites there at Bulldog Burger Company. I'm there regularly. It's, uh, it's one of those places in town that uh, has become, become a regular stop. It is the Robertson Family Restaurant of Choice. When given the option, our kids always pick Bulldog Burger Company because there's some, that's where their favorites are. You need to go find your own favorites. It is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, and you can keep up with the daily specials by following Bulldog Burger Company on Instagram. And, and listen, you need to go ahead and kind of beef up your feed anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because most people on Instagram post silly stuff. At least you get needful things from Bulldog Burger Company. Go follow them on Instagram. Check out the daily specials. Go and try them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark World people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Before we preview the uh, the Arkansas series, it'll begin tomorrow, and I will be there. I'll be leaving first thing uh, Thursday morning and headed up there. will be some rain in the area and on the drive. And so for those of you making that trip to Fayetteville, please be careful. Allow yourself extra time to get there. But, uh, but looking back at last night, a full night of games, and it was interesting – uh, I, I, D1 Baseball is kind of who I follow for the scoreboard. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. They get those feeds set up, and so you get scores pretty, pretty, pretty regularly. Uh, but um, running through the SEC last night, and uh, for, again, 14 games within the league last night. So a busy, busy night. Not a lot of surprises in the league, but uh, nevertheless, some scores of note. So. Tennessee, our friends at Tennessee, and, and I, again, I'll say that that win, that win, winning that series is going to look good in hindsight. I don't know what kind of teams are going to be away from their own park because it's a pitcher's park at night for sure. But uh, but they win 3-1 over Moorhead State last night. Auburn takes it on the chin, uh, 11-6 to uh, number 11, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has racked up some pretty good midweek wins. Uh, you, you can go check them out. They're a team I don't know that I really want to play in a regional. I mean, my hope is they'll be hosting somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want them to come in here as a two. You know, I think the latest projections have them uh, as a host site, and uh, I think that would be great. And I would love it if they were paired up with somebody like the, well, maybe Georgia. You know, I, I really don't want to see them. Not that I'm afraid of Mississippi State not being able to compete with them, but I think they are a they, they are kind of an underappreciated team right now. They knock off Auburn. Uh, Florida with a uh, surprising uh, in-state midweek win. They knock off Jacksonville 8-4, avenging some earlier losses. Uh, Kentucky gets up 5-0 on Louisville last night and then lose the ball game 18-6. And Yamin-Gion uh, and his group up there, of course, coming off the big weekend win in Oxford, uh, winning the series at Ole Miss. And so I, I don't I don't expect big things from Kentucky this year. I know they're kind of figuring some things out. But if you know anything about Minge, uh, he's going to have those kids playing with an edge. Uh, the remainder of the year. And uh, the fact that they got embarrassed last night, that will not sit well at all. Uh, Clemson and Georgia, a little bit of an epic. I got up this morning. I, I did not stay up to watch this. Uh, matter of fact, after I got home from uh, Dirty Noble Field, I kind of settled in and went to bed. Uh, but Georgia takes care of Clemson in 20 innings. You talk about depleting your bullpen uh, in a game that doesn't mean an awful lot. But 20 innings, Georgia wins 3-2. to two. 
wish that ball game would have taken place next week, you know, with, before they come to Starkville. But, uh, you know, big weekend uh, on on tap for everybody in the league. But uh, that's, that's a good midweek win. Clemson is a solid ball team, and they always are. I mean, you know, Clemson's one of those teams, you know, a lot like Mississippi State. You know, they're always in the thick of things. Even in, even in quote, rebuilding years, they're still a solid ball team. And, and uh, so that's a good midweek win for Georgia. South Carolina with a bit of an upset. Uh, 5-2 winners over North Carolina, 5-2. I am not a huge North Carolina fan. There are a lot of people that, that uh, I, I don't think ACC baseball is very good as a whole, especially against the elite teams, but especially this year. You know, I mentioned Georgia Tech is a team that's kind of scary. You know, I think they're a team that could sneak up on people. I think North Carolina, Florida State, those people, those teams have established names. So they're not going to sneak up on you. Uh, but it'll be interesting to kind of see how this thing whole unfolds with the uh, the top eight national seeds and how many the ACC gets in. Uh, I th- you know, the, the committee always kind of skews towards the baseball-rich conferences, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I, I really believe that um, North Carolina is a team that can be had. If we got paired up with them, in a super, I, I would feel really good about making it to Omaha. Uh, this weekend's opponent, Arkansas, knocks off Arkansas Pine Bluff 16-4. to Just played seven innings. And it seems like Pine Bluff is finding a way to uh, to get those midweek losses shortened. Uh, of course, Mississippi State knocks off Texas Southern 5-1. Alabama squeaks by UAB 3-2. Congratulations, Tide, to get off the snide there. Um, Houston takes down Texas A&M 4-1. That's, that's a quality midweek win. And, uh, again, I think A&M is a really good team. And I uh, kind of hate that we have to go play them down there. But uh, I believe that that's a series that could, could could affect a lot of things when it comes to national seeding when it's all said and done. Because A&M is going to kind of get to the meat of their schedule. And I'm kind of eager to see how they respond. But they've got some guys that can really pitch it. Uh, Missouri takes down Missouri State 14-6. Mizzou kind of riding high right now. And Mizzou is uh, ranked number 21 now in the country. Uh, earlier in the year, I think a lot of us were kind of, uh, including myself, kind of down on them. And I was kind of lamenting the fact that Mississippi State didn't get a chance to play Kentucky or Missouri. Uh, but Missouri, of course, takes 2 out of 3 from LSU over the weekend, then takes down Missouri State. We'll see what happens this weekend. But uh, strike it up for the Tigers. Uh, Ole Miss knocks off Memphis 5-2 in a battle of rivals. Um you know, Miss, of course, recovering from the weekend and then um, looking ahead. Not, not sure what to make of this Ole Miss team. Uh, they're they kind of heckle and jekyll, but I don't know if there's anybody in this league more heckle and jekyll than LSU. LSU drops to uh, – they lose 6-5 to five to ULL last night in the Wally Pontiff Junior Classic down in Metairie. Uh, LSU – now, it's one of those weird things. LSU has lost to McNeese State. They've lost to the University of – they've lost to Southern University there in Baton Rouge. Right, they went to extra innings with Nichols. Uh, they, you know, they lose uh, to to ULL, and so it's uh, it's interesting. I, I keep reading these na- this national narrative that midweek games don't mean anything. Well, they mean a lot when you don't win them. You don't. They, they mean a lot when you start losing a bunch of them. Uh, Vanderbilt takes down Indiana State seven to one. Not even the fighting Larry Birds could could overcome that. Vandy's ranked number six. Uh, I'm not sold on Vandy, but I'll tell you what. It's one of those things when I look at their schedule. And how favorable it is down the stretch. Uh, Mississippi State's going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat to win the regular SEC season championship. And uh, there's a there's a part of me though when I look at this thing and say, okay, Vanderbilt getting in because I don't think Vanderbilt's a better team than Mississippi State. But you know you could have Vanderbilt and Mississippi State both as top eight national seeds uh, this year. And so while we don't play them, they don't play us either. 
So that's an interesting dynamic, too. And uh, it's going to be one of those deals Mississippi State's got to take care of, of itself. And uh, that's going to begin uh, this weekend, kind of resume this weekend. Uh, with it, it, Listen, it is an 8 o'clock start on ESPNU Thursday night. So go ahead and you know, maybe sleep in tomorrow, whatever, take a nap in the afternoon, whatever, hide under your desk, pull to George Costanza, whatever. But uh, it's going to be a long night Thursday night. And, again, I will be there, but let, let's go ahead and get into that a little bit and kind of talk about what to expect from the Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, Arkansas should have won the national championship last year. And uh, because I'm a hater, and I'm uh, willing to admit that, when Carson Chetty did not secure that pop fly, I was very, very happy because I don't want to see them win one before we do. Matter of fact, I don't want to ever see them win one. I want us to win them all. But it would have been detrimental to my mental health and to uh, the collective psyche to Mississippi State fan base if Arkansas had won the NFL championship. And I have some people out there say, well, you know, I, I like to see the SEC teams do well. See, well, here's the deal. And again, you know, because I am such a hater, uh, what's good for them is bad for us. That's the way that I kind of look at it. And so I, I don't feel that sense of camaraderie with all of them. Uh, there was a time in my life that I, that I did. Now, I, I respect the fact that SEC teams are, are going to dominate the College World Series field more times than not. But you know my feelings about LSU. I'm very envious of LSU. In fact, they've won all those national championships, and we have not. When you look at the commitment that we've made, and if Arkansas – had won an Apple championship, it would make me feel you know, even worse about our standing. I don't want to be Florida State, okay? I don't want to be Florida State and be the national punchline every year. About every year they're ranked, they're unbelievably overranked, and every year they find a way to disappoint their fans. And so I, I don't want that. I want us to find a way to break through. So when Arkansas, when Carson Shetty dropped the ball, which I, I'm the social media hate I'm not a fan of, there was a relief for me. But this is a very talented team that might have been a tad overrated beginning of the year. Uh, but I believe this is, this is a series Mississippi State is capable of winning. And I think many of you feel the same way. But Bomb Stadium is a very difficult place to play. The last time Mississippi State went up there, we got swept. It's one of those weird things. You know, the, the winner of this series has dominated the other. You know, it's like they come in here last year and they're all fired up, but they're nationally ranked, and we sweep them. And uh, really, really was a big statement for this team. A couple of years ago, 2016, I don't know if you guys recall this, but uh, you know we clinched the SEC regular season championship against Arkansas here at Duty Noble Field. And so it's it has not been a very even series over the course of the last three years. So in the Jake Mangum era, there haven't been splits. It's been feast or famine. So we're going to have to go up there and arguably play our best baseball of the year. They didn't play well last weekend. They should have been swept. Had they not scored five runs in the night on Sunday, they would have been swept. So they're not playing their their best baseball. Mississippi State coming off their first sweep of the year. We didn't play exceptionally well last night. But uh, we kind of slept walk through that ball game, and they just happened to have a pitcher who was having a career night. But State still finds a way to win the game. It's just like uh, Coach Herman Boone said in, in Remember the Titans. It's like running a split bag beer, just like Novocaine. Just give it a little time, it works. So uh, Matt Goodhart, that's their guy at Arkansas. He's hitting 404. Uh, listen, this is a guy that does a lot for them. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he hadn't started every game, but he's a guy that swung in most games. Uh, leads that team, um, kind of a clutch guy for them. 
an extra base guy. You know, not a big, not big power numbers, but he is a guy that's going to get on base. He's he's a guy you've got to get out. He's a guy you plan for. Uh, Heston Kerstad, that, that's a guy that they've been high on for. It seems like, seem like he's been there forever. You know, like some people feel about Jake Mangum. I kind of feel that way about him. You know, he's had some good at-bats against Mississippi State. He, he is a guy that uh, has been a difficult player to play against. Uh, he's hitting 321 right now. Um, 159 at-bats, 31 runs, 51 hits, which is a team high. 51 hits. Got to find a way to get that guy out. Leads the team with nine home runs. Uh, 31 RBI, also a team high. So, uh, you know, he, he's a guy you you got to find a way to not let that guy hurt you. Dominic Fletcher is another one of those guys, too. Just a very solid baseball player that does a lot of the things right. Started all 37 games this year for them, hitting 320. Uh, five home runs, 31 RBI. You know, another, another productive guy. Uh, one of the things about Arkansas that's rather interesting is pitching. You know what you're going to get with Isaiah Campbell. Isaiah Campbell, one of the best pitchers in this league, if not the country. 2.45 ERA, 6-1 record on the year. Has uh, started nine games for them. 58 and two-thirds innings pitch, allowed 45 hits, 19 runs, 16 of those earned. Guys, nearly a 7-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. 68 Ks against just 10 walks. So he's not going to give you a whole lot. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to give you free passes. He's not going to run his own pitch count up. You're going to have to hit your way on base. We, we know who this guy is. This guy this is a veteran. Has not allowed a home run all year. And and the way that Mississippi State likes to swing the bats, and, and we've got some guys with some power numbers. We've got some guys that want to go out there and, and change the game on a swing. Uh, he has not allowed a home run. And so that is an interesting statistic in many respects uh, because when you've got a guy that has pitched as many innings as he has against the quality of competition that he has faced, you think at some point somebody runs into one. That hadn't been the case. Opponents hitting just 211 against him. That'll be a big matchup. Now, the rest of the weekend is rather interesting because I have, I have done some reading and checked in with some folks. There is some talk that uh, Scroggins goes uh, as the, the, the game two guy. Uh, they have moved some guys around. They're still kind of figuring the pitching piece out too. Uh, but looking at SEC numbers for the pitching staff, Isaiah Campbell, ERA of 2.04, 3-1 record in the league. Um, you know, not, not a guy, again, that's going to give you a whole lot. And 35-7 uh, and seven strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, in, um, in in league play. Cody Scroggins is a guy that's a four, with ERA of 4.58, 1-0 in the league. He has uh, six appearances, four starts. A lot of discussion about him kind of moving into that game to roll. So I suspect we would see him uh, on Friday. I don't know that Arkansas has announced their rotation yet. We may get some information on that later today. Uh, but he is a guy that will walk you a little bit. Cody Scroggins has had some control issues. Not a big strikeout guy. But he is a guy that you can kind of get to. You know, he's a guy you got to be patient with. And then Cole Ramage is a guy that's been around a little while, but, uh, you know, he's another guy that they're working in relief for them. But he's a guy I'm sure we'll see on the weekend. Uh, but uh, Connor Nolan is a guy that uh, has, has kind of been, you know, hit or miss. He started five games for them. He's 0-2 with an ERA of 8.04. So as we begin to think about our own issues with pitching as well, well, it seems like Mississippi State has kind of figured some things out over the course of the last 10 days or so. Arkansas is kind of in that whole deal where they're trying to, they know what they have in Campbell and they're kind of figuring the rest of it out. But uh, if you know anything about Dave Van Horn, they're going to be ready to play. Now, they're, they're, while the pitching may be a little bit up and down, they're entering the week 
this weekend series with us. They've got 38 hits combined in their last two ball games. They had 22 on Sunday against you know, kind of a depleted Vanderbilt staff, but nevertheless, that's 22 hits in an SEC game. And then uh, I guess 16 hits uh, last night against uh, – I believe that's correct. Let me double-check this. Just make sure the numbers are correct. That That is absolutely correct. 22 hits against Vanderbilt and then 16 last night in uh, the win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. And looking at the weekend, too, just looking back over uh, – we, we mentioned Heston Kerstad, you know, four for six – uh, catcher Casey Optus, four for five. And, and if you'll look through those numbers, look at the box score for Sunday, nobody really had a bad day. All of, Everybody in the lineup, just uh, looking at the numbers here, it looks like everybody had multiple hits except for the number nine hole hitter who went 0 for five. Everybody with a multi-hit ball game. So they're going to swing the bats. They're going to come out ready to go. They're going to come out looking to make a statement, especially after last weekend. It's, it's one of those things, too, you look at the numbers and you begin to think, okay, yeah, Arkansas is ranked pretty high, but uh, where does a lot of that stuff come from? And um, I, I don't know if, uh, if you have done much research on, on the Razorbacks, but if you begin to look at what they've done in SEC play, it's been, uh, it's been a little different, shall we say. Uh, they obviously go on the road last weekend, lose two out of three to Vanderbilt, and again, should have been swept. But you know what? Those five runs in the ninth, they count two, just as much as those runs in the first inning counted. Uh, so lose the series at Vanderbilt. They take two of three at Auburn. They lose that uh, that Friday night game. And then uh, win the, the uh, doubleheader, the, the, the game two, in extra innings, a uh, nine to six ball game. And so you could make the argument and say, well, you know, they're a pitch away from, from losing that series too. And, and that, that's true, but the bottom line is they found a way to win and they come back on game three with an 8 nothing performance and shut Auburn down. Um, and, and listen, Auburn's not a great offensive team, but they're not slouches by any stretch of the imagination. You've got to go play baseball. Uh, the weekend before that, they lose at home best two out of three series to Ole Miss. And then uh, they did take a two out of three at Alabama – and uh, lose game two, <laughs> ten to nothing, uh, to Alabama. You know we we saw Alabama this weekend. Al- Alabama struggled to score in that series, with the exception of that uh, that Saturday game. But it's one of those deals where in, in this league you never know when the train's going to start rolling. But when it does, you ride it. It's as simple as that. But uh, it's going to be a huge weekend for Mississippi State. As you guys are aware, Mississippi State currently 10-5 and in the Southeastern Conference and tied for the overall lead in the, in the SEC with Georgia. Uh, it's going to be one of those weekends, too. It's kind of like a separation weekend. And, and we know this because we've covered this league for so long, and you guys have followed baseball for so long, that they're not going to hand out any trophies for the, uh, the midseason championship. That's not how this thing works. Okay, It's just not, not going to work that way. It's never going to work that way. Uh, it never should work that way. You feel good about where you are right now. But when you begin to look down the road and think, okay, this is when it matters most. We're going to start playing less midweek games. And speaking of midweek games, you know, we're kind of running out of midweek games. We talked about that, and I've seen some tweets about that, obviously. Next Tuesday will be in Pearl for the uh, the Governor's Trophy game. Uh, Mississippi State's dominated that as of late. And it will be Jake Mangum and uh, this senior class's last trip to Pearl uh, they've won the rest of them. I'm sure they want to go out on a winning note. And then you have Memphis at home in Starkville on May the 8th. And then there is discussions about May 14th. That's not on the schedule right now. There are discussions that May 14th Mississippi State may add Louisiana Tech. 
to make up for that one game that we we were uh, shorted at the Frisco Classic against Nebraska. And uh, so there's not a lot of midweek baseball left. So there's not a lot of those uh, RPI killer or make games out there. But uh, I mentioned earlier about how you know the overall record for some teams is kind of challenging. Uh, I mentioned LSU. Look, guys, I don't know if you know this. LSU has lost 14 games this year. 14 games. That's the most of anybody in the SEC West. Now, there'll be some people out there that'll say, well, you know, LSU should host because of the money aspect and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you're 24 and 14 right now, uh, you're going to have to find a way to go win some ball games. Now, they're going to have an opportunity, of course. They're going to play a lot of games at home. But you're beginning to run out of these games to kind of boost your notoriety. Mississippi State still with the best record in the Southeastern Conference, 32-6. and Georgia's 30-8. and but uh, when you begin to look down the West and how competitive the whole thing is, you know, Alabama and LSU have lost the same number of ball games. I don't think anybody looks at those two teams uh, through the same lens. You know, LSU, you know, obviously they, they win the series at Mississippi State, but since they have played Mississippi State, they have not looked like a championship-caliber team. And I think that's one of those things where pulmonary was able to kind of rally that team, and they kind of caught us at a good time. And I'm real disappointed in the fact that we're looking back at this, and I've said many times that LSU was our baseball daddy, and I absolutely hate it. But the bottom line is, when you begin to start looking at this thing and how this all thing is going to kind of come together late, uh, Mississippi State has a chance to really make a run at this thing. And, uh, again, I don't know if we have the schedule that will allow us to win the SEC regular season championship. We're in the contention. Don't get me wrong. But there are some other people. You know, Vanderbilt, just a game out of first at 9-6, and six, a much easier path, a much, much easier path. And so State can't let up. We can't afford to drop any ball games. And kind of looking around the league this weekend, uh, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. It's going to be one of those things that uh, Mississippi State last weekend got to sweep, which put us kind of in contention. We need to pick up a sweep somewhere else. You feel good about that South Carolina weekend, but I, you know, I'd, I would like to kind of have an idea of what our, what our fate would be before that last weekend. You know, this time last year, we weren't, we weren't sure what to expect. But um, – the way it'll shake out, uh, Missouri is at Georgia. And, uh, man, wouldn't it be great if, if we could find a way to get Missouri to take a game uh, in Athens? Georgia really not a good offensive team. Uh, you know, they've got great pitching. they got great starting pitching. But I'm not as worried about them coming in here as, you know, maybe some other people suggest we should be because I don't know that Georgia can score. I know that they can pitch it. I don't know that they can score. If we saw last night, it took them 20 innings to get three runs. They're not going to win a lot of shootouts. Not going to be a lot of shootouts either because they got good frontline pitching. But if we can find a way for Missouri to get one, Tennessee on the road at Kentucky, we're not going to play Kentucky. So anything that Tennessee can do positively kind of has a positive impact on the Mississippi State RPI. That Tennessee team is scary at home. Uh, You know, because of the fact that the you know those winds out of the Smoky Mountains uh, kind of die down at night, it's a difficult ballpark. But again, Tennessee, great frontline pitching. Uh, Crochet Stallings among the better pitchers in this league. Uh, they're going to be. I, I will not be surprised at all to see Tennessee go down there and win that series in Kentucky. I don't know if I would call for the sweep. You know, Kentucky's got a pretty good frontline starter themselves. But I, I think Tennessee will go in there and take that series. Now, Ole Miss is at Auburn. That is going to be an interesting weekend. For both teams, this is a series. The loser of this series is really going to put themselves behind the eight ball in many respects. Uh, when you begin to look at like the potential to host a regional, 
Uh, I think Ole Miss right now is probably in much better shape than Auburn is. And so Auburn will pitch it well. And Ole Miss has been at times very, very offensively challenged. We saw that last weekend against Kentucky. And Kentucky does not have necessarily elite pitching. But they held the Ole Miss lineup uh, at bay. And that's one of those things that's interesting. You see Ole Miss kind of batters Florida. And then they go play Kentucky and um, can't even really get out of their own way. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then Texas A&M at South Carolina would love to see Carolina win that series just because of the fact that it would give us a little breathing room between us and Aggies. I think this Texas A&M Aggie team is pretty good. That They can pitch it. But um, South Carolina, a great venue, obviously, but uh, going to be difficult for them to win the series. I, I just think that we have kind of seen the heyday of South Carolina baseball for a while. That's just my honest opinion. Uh, Florida will play at OSU, and uh, somebody's got to win the series, right? Florida not ranked for probably the first time in four or five years. Not ranked. LSU ranked 14th, and then with a loss last week, uh, last night against UL Lafayette. I think some people are beginning to realize this LSU team is not living up to expectations. I know, I, I was pretty high on this LSU team uh, in the preseason just because of the fact they returned some pieces and they had some pitching that you thought, okay, like I didn't know if Zach Hess would be a bona fide Friday night starter. But I know that he had really handicapped Mississippi State. Having seen that guy pitch against us, you knew he had the potential uh, to be a shutdown guy. Uh, and so this LSU team, nowhere near, I think, what most people expect it to be. But this weekend will be um, a, a real challenge for both teams. I, I think Florida has uh, struggles a little bit offensively. LSU pitching-wise, a little bit up and down. That will be one to watch. Really, really would like to see Florida – uh, win the series just to get, again to give us a little breathing room uh, there. I don't think Florida will catch Mississippi State in anything. But uh, and other people said, well, you know, Steve LSU beat us. Don't you want them to look even better? And the answer to that question is a resounding no. I don't ever want LSU to look good because I am jealous of LSU. I'm very very open about that. Uh, I don't want them to ever feel good about anything. Matter of fact, if they would cancel Mardi Gras, that'd be fine with me too. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, uh, travels to uh, to Arkansas. And so a, a busy weekend, again, all conference play this weekend, and this is where things kind of get interesting. We're now in the second half of the year. We're running out of weekends to make a move. When you look at who has won the SEC, last year Florida wins the SEC with 20 wins. And then you have three other teams that, with an 18-12 and 12 record uh, listed as top eight national seeds. So Mississippi State already 10-5 and five in the league, and so you say, okay, if we can win eight or nine more games within the league – we have a really good chance of, uh, of, of being a top eight national seed. And, of course, there's a lot of variables involved. A lot, a lot of things have got to shake out. You've got to beat the right teams. You've got to avoid getting swept and that sort of stuff. You know what I'm saying? But if you begin to look at who's on this schedule, you know, eight or nine more wins within the league, very, very doable. And you say, okay, well, if we can split six of the next 12 and then sweep that South Carolina series, well, that gives you 19 wins. You know, and let's say you just win that one. That gives you 18. You're 18 and 12 in this league, uh, and, you, and you kind of do the math on that. I mean, look, look at where Mississippi State is right now record-wise. You know, you're, you're, you've got a really good chance to be among the national elite, and you're already at 32 and 6. And let's say, again, let's say you split and you win those two. That gives you 40 wins. And then if you can, you know, find a way to win those three non-conference games, and that, that includes the mayor of the governor's game, you know, then all of a sudden you're looking at, uh, you know, What's it, 43 and 12? You know, I mean, so you begin to do the math on this and you realize 
Mississippi State has a great chance to play their, their way into a national seed with or without an SEC regular season championship. If you win the regular season championship, you're guaranteed to be a top eight national seed. And what that, what that means for us, because you, and here's the deal, Duty Noble Field cries out for an NCAA regional and super regional atmosphere. And last time we had it was 2016. One of the best teams we ever had that didn't make it to Omaha. And sadly, we've got a few of those. It's one of those crazy things where we're moving along and, and, and going to push the game into uh, deciding game three against Arizona. And the next thing you know, somebody pulls a home run out of their butt and we lose and we're done. And then uh, the Chanticleers won a national championship. And, yes, I'm still salty about that because it should have been us. It should have been us raising that championship banner. But the bottom line is we didn't. And so if we get the ability to host a regional, which I think is pretty much a guarantee, barring an epic collapse, Mississippi State guaranteed to host a regional. But if we get to host a super regional with our frontline pitching, with Ethan Small and JT Ginn, you got like State's chances of winning that super regional. And that's one of the things when I look at a team like Tennessee that scares me a little bit. You know, if Tennessee can somehow make it out of a regional, and I don't know if they're offensive enough to do that, if they ever get into a super regional, they're going to be difficult to beat. I look at Mississippi State the same way. When you've got a sure enough Friday night and Saturday night guy, uh, you have an opportunity to advance to Omaha, and then we'll see what happens from there. And if you get us in that championship series, you know, I think uh, we'll learn from last year. But first things first, we've got to go take care of Arkansas. We've got to find a way to go win this series. And uh, I've been to every road game. I'm going to go to this one too. And then uh, I'll see you guys in Pearl. And uh, need a capacity crowd in Pearl. Need a, a very large contingent of maroon and white folks uh, there at Trustmark Park. Uh, but the bottom line is when you begin to start counting games, and, and, and listen, to say that we're going to split the next uh, you know, 12 ball games, I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't think it's unrealistic at all, especially when you begin to kind of look at the schedule and see who you have left. And let's just, I mean, let's just run it down here real quick before we get time, right? You find a way to win that road series at Arkansas. That's, that's two right there. And then you have Georgia coming in. If you can win that series, and I think you can, that's four right there. And then you got to go to A&M. Let's just say you get a game down there. Let's say you drop that series. All right, that's five. Then you got to go to Ole Miss. And I, I don't think there's anybody right now that would pick Ole Miss to beat Mississippi State in the best two out of three series. So, so let's say you get that one. All right, that's seven right there. And so, and that that only inv- that didn't involve a sweep anywhere. But then if you could find a way to sweep South Carolina, you know, that's ten. And I think that gets you in contention to win the SEC regular season championship. And again, I still think Vanderbilt's the team to beat just because of the fact their schedule's a lot easier than Mississippi State's. But the bottom line is this: it's a one game at a time deal. Uh, the team is leaving today at 1 o'clock to head to Fayetteville. I will be leaving in the morning. There are times I think I should probably go ahead and go today to get ahead of that rain, but the bottom line is this. It is what it is. We'll, go, we'll be very careful, and you guys be safe back here. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of people that have had a lot of property damage in and around our area and our, in our, in our Mississippi State folks that have had to deal with that. Henry Adams, a longtime contributor on Gene's page, uh, kind of dealing with some things. But, but Hank's fine. Hank's fine. But the bottom line is this is that, uh, you know, this is what we do to kind of occupy our time between paying the bills and, and working and all that kind of stuff. And so it should be fun. And this is a – we're having a special year. And my hope is you guys can get an opportunity to kind of relax and enjoy some of that. You know, there's so much time that we spend kind of forecasting the end that we think, okay, well, we have to get to Omaha in order for this year to be a success. And, you know, I kind of feel like it's an Omaha bus thing too. But I'm enjoying every step of the journey. I, I, I'm enjoying watching these – these kids play. I'm enjoying watching Ethan Small 
have a career year and be and and, and it, what's amazing too as dominant as Ethan Small has been, I don't think anybody outside of Stark will truly appreciate how good he is, other than the Major League Baseball scouts. But he never gets the press within this league. The guy had 15 strikeouts last weekend. It was barely a blip on the radar. The most strikeouts for any SEC pitcher in an SEC game this year. And it barely even gets a mention on Twitter by the SEC Network. And so... The numbers that I, somebody shared, I haven't double-checked this, but somebody sent me this yesterday and said that Ethan is second in the country in strikeouts. But yet, you never hear anybody talk about him in contention to be an all-SEC guy or an all-American guy, uh, but yet he continues to put up big numbers. He's had double-digit strikeouts in seven of his starts this year. I suspect he will have a similar uh, result this week. And that's one of those things, too, you almost take for granted. When Ethan takes the mound on Friday, you say, okay, we've got a really good chance to win that Friday game. It, it almost, like, with all that's happened with JT Ginn, you know, with him, is he in the lineup, is he not, is he pitching Saturday, pitching Sunday, that's kind of become the conversation. And even Mississippi State folks have kind of said, you know, we, we kind of take for granted how reliable Ethan Small has been. And, yeah, he's been saddled with a couple no decisions, but that's not really his fault. He's done his part. He has pitched winning baseball every single time out. But yet here we are halfway through the SEC SEC schedule, and nobody's talking about Ethan Small. That kid can play. And his length and his velo and his ability to change speeds, and and he's beginning to to be able to kind of feather that changeup in there for a strike. And there's sometimes he'll leave it up and he'll get punished on it. But that, that that's kind of part of adding that third pitch. But when when he has the ability to throw that breaking pitch and that changeup for a strike, he is going to get a ton of swings and misses. And every single outing, and we've talked about this, every single outing, once he starts spotting up that breaking ball for a strike, then he begins to elevate the fastball, and they absolutely cannot lay off of it. It, it is incredible to think how successful he is throwing that ball out of the zone. And I give Dustin Skelton a lot of credit, too, because Dustin gives him a lot of, a lot of confidence on the mound. And uh, if, you, if you ever have a chance to talk to Ethan privately and you ask him what kind of catcher Dustin Skelton is, he'll make you feel like he is his agent. That's how much he respects the game of Dustin Skelton. And I had people last night asking me on Twitter, you know, is Dustin Skelton the most improved player on the team? I say yes because of the fact that, that he plays every day. You know, and uh, people say, well, you know, uh, Lee Belt, and listen, there's no doubt that that guy has had a, a career, uh, you know, renaissance at Mississippi State. Uh, he is a dominant relief pitcher, but he can only pitch every couple of days. You know, Dustin Skelton's the guy now second on the team in home runs. And uh, my buddy Tim O'Brien from West Point, and uh, we, we had this discussion a while back on Twitter, and early in the year I said, man, if this kid ever gets point of contact down, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs. Because everything he hit was always the biggest part of the ballpark. Because he was letting the ball travel. He wasn't getting the barrel head out in front. His point of contact was off. Even though he was mashing the ball and barreling things up, he was hitting everything to the deepest part of the ballpark. Well, now all of a sudden, he settled in. And guess what, guys? That point of contact has changed. He's able to hit the inside pitch out in front of the plate. And guess where it's going? It's scoring in the left field lounge. Second on the team in home runs. And it looks so natural for him now. It's like... When he, when he hit a couple early in the year, people were like, well, man, look at this guy. And now all of a sudden you expect it. It's the same thing with Justin Boscu. I didn't think that guy was going to be a double-digit home run guy this early in the year. I thought he might get there eventually. 
I thought Westy would be a double-digit guy, and I think he still will be as well. But when you begin to kind of look at the numbers here and you see what Foscue and what Skelton are doing out there uh, in the left-field lounge, I mean, listen, I don't know that anybody's provided more souvenirs to Mississippi State fans this year. I mean, not even Mississippi State marketing has provided more souvenirs to fans in left-field lounge than Dustin Skelton Justin Foscue. And so the temptation this weekend, I think, uh, is is going to be laying off some of that eye candy trying to jack everything out of the yard because it's difficult to hit home runs at bomb. It is, especially in night games. And so my hope is we don't have a repeat of the Tennessee series where we go up there and, and everybody's swinging for defenses and we kind of have some selfish at-bats and get ourselves out. We need a big weekend from Jake Mangum. We really do. We need a big weekend from Jake Mangum so our you know, three, four, five guys have an opportunity to hit off pitchers in the stretch. And, uh, you know, Jake is such an irritant anyway, you know, when he gets on base because you know he's got – he has the ability to steal bases and he's a guy that's very difficult to pick off. And so he's constantly out there just kind of being a rabble route. He's just an irritating guy to have on base, and that's what you want. And so we got to get a weekend, a big weekend out of Jake Mankum. Jake had his five hits last week, got a hit last night. Uh, so we need to kind of get him going. You know, he's um, he's seven behind Furnace right now. Furnace 352, Mangum 345. And I said a week or two ago, wouldn't it be interesting if Jake broke the record in his hometown of Pearl, Mississippi, against Ole Miss? Uh, frankly, I'd like to see him go ahead and break it this weekend. But uh, he is closing in, and I feel like in many respects, once he kind of gets that behind him, I think, while he will never admit that, I think there is some uh, there's some pressure that kind of goes along with that. And I think once he breaks the record, I think there will be a, a relief uh, for him to kind of have that behind him because it is something that we're all talking about. We're all talking about it. And then at that point, once he passes Furnace, every hit he gets uh, is a new record. But excited uh, to hit the road, and uh, I will be bringing the headset with me, so I will do my best to either record uh, late Thursday night or Friday morning, and I'll try to have a show for you on Friday from the road, uh, from Fayetteville. We hadn't, I don't think I've done a show from the road uh, since uh, last year's uh, Final Four in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, we'll get that together for you. Look forward to being with you. Uh, safe travels for all those Bulldog folks headed to Fayetteville. I uh, look forward to seeing you out there. But until next time, let's all live our lives and we'll, we'll be more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.